Listener Production. Coming up on Footy Talk, you know what we're going to be talking about. The big semi-finals this weekend. Demons and Carlton, Port and the Giants. And we're with Joey Montagna, who's going to give us his tips for the weekend and also what he thinks is the biggest storyline coming out of the semi-finals. You're listening to Footy Talk with Kate and Joey, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. Joey, happy Friday, big weekend ahead of us. Happy Friday, Kate. Yes, it's going to be a beautiful day, isn't it? It's uh, a nice time of year and huge game tonight. The Carlton-Melbourne game, I know we'll get stuck into it. I've just seen Husey out there. He's already nervous. I've got a couple of Carlton fans, a couple of good mates that I've already texted. They're nervous, so the anticipation is building beautifully. Well, this is the biggest game for that club in well over 10 years since they last made the finals, but even longer than that. We'll get into it straight away. So Demons and Carlton's obviously tonight. A few ins and outs. So were you surprised, first of all, with any of the outs? So we've got Angus Brayshaw obviously out with that concussion. Bailey Laurie was the sub last week. Jacob Van Royen also suspended. Um, and Michael Hibbard omitted. And then they've brought in Tomlinson, Spargo and James Jordan. Yeah, I think my first thing when you saw Michael Hibbard omitted, you think that was a surprise because he played on Jamie Elliott last week, did a great job, kept him to six disposals and, and a couple of shots on goal that he missed. But when you look at the ins, it makes sense. This is purely, I think, for me, a horses for courses matchup. I think they've brought Adam Tomlinson in specifically to play on Tom DeConing because we know Stephen May will play on Charlie Kernow. And what that'll do is it'll allow Jake Lever to be the interceptor, to double, basically double-team Charlie Kernow tonight and to roll across at every opportunity. But I wouldn't be surprised if Melbourne do win this game and they get to a prelim up at the Gabba. I think Michael Hibbert will come straight back in and play, for, play on Charlie Cameron and they'll go that way. But uh, I think otherwise pretty pretty obvious for me. I think Charlie Spargo made sense as a small forward. I think Melbourne need to go smaller rather than taller. I mean, I've never bought into the, the Brody Grundy. I know it's been creating a lot of headlines, but he's a million to one to play again this year unless Max Gorn goes down. I think the smaller forward line suits Melbourne. They need to play a bit more uh, low in the eyes, change angles a bit more, just a little bit more speed on the ball. And I think by having that player in there who's a good inside 50 kick can certainly help them. Yeah, and the inside 50 was obviously the problem against Collingwood in that first round of finals. And they had, a, I think, plus 30 in inside 50s and couldn't kick any more goals than them. So I think definitely that small forward is, is something they need to change and bring in just if they don't take the mark to clean it up at ground level. Yeah, that's right. And lock it in, but also just change angles, be creative with their kicks and not be so predictable, which, which I think they'll do. But I know you'll touch on the Carlton ins and outs in a minute, but for me, the big story. So everyone's gone on about Melbourne not being able to score. For me, I'm struggling to see how Carlton are going to score. Yeah, and on that point, let's have a quick chat. So Matt Kennedy comes back in, I think his first game since round 17. So he's back in. Obviously, Harry Mackay out with the concussion. Jack Martin with that suspension that's been downgraded to a week. So should they get through, he'll be available next week. But your thoughts on Matt Kennedy coming back in? So they've chosen to go with Matt Kennedy over Jack Silvani, yep. uh, which is interesting. Obviously, Kennedy's fitter. He, he's been training for a lot longer. He's played a little bit of VFL. Silvani hasn't played any football. So they've gone with the guy that's fit and ready to go. Now, what's he going to be able to do as a forward? I'm not sure. Um, but when you look at their forward line now, that's pretty thin uh, without Charlie. I mean, besides Charlie Kerno, I should say. So for as much as everyone's been banging on about Melbourne's ability to score, for me tonight, the two games they've played, Carlton, they've had 19 scoring shots against Melbourne in 94 entries. Melbourne are so hard to score against. They'll double-team Charlie Kerno. And I feel they're going to struggle to just to kick a score. So Melbourne might not need to kick a massive score to win this game. They're, they've both been arm wrestles. I think Carlton will be the issue uh, hitting the scoreboard there. So that's why I'm probably leaning towards Melbourne to win this game. I just 
trust their defense. I think they'll be smarting from the loss last week. They'll just tidy up. All they've got to do is tidy up a bit of their ball movement, as you said, and otherwise their game is still in pretty good shape. So the Blues have got their uh, got their hands full tonight. Yeah, and I guess one that's probably not been spoken about too much because he wasn't in the best of form is losing Harry Mackay. And I know that he hasn't been kicking goals. He's been getting into positions to do that. We saw him have two shots on goal last week yeah. that he should have kicked. But I think that loss then does free up Jake Lever, I think if he was in the team, they'd have to pay him a bit more respect than what they'll pay to the other forward that's down there now. So I think that is a big loss for Carlton in the scheme of their lineup, not in the scheme of them scoring goals, but in the scheme of them stopping Melbourne from taking intercept marks. And it all ties in. You're spot on. They would have had the three talls then the Blues. So then Jake Lever would have had to have played tall. Now he gets to roam and do what he likes. And as you said, we know how he was missing them in front of the sticks, but some of those marks he was taking up on the wings are so important, when, you, particularly against a team like Melbourne, when you get hemmed in your back half. You just need someone to take a contested mark, reset the field, and play it in your forward half. So he's going to be an out. I think Jack Martin's a big one as well. I've really loved his footy the last six to eight weeks as a player that does a bit of everything. Tackles and chases. He's physical. He's got some class. He can mark it above his head. He can hit the scoreboard. And as we've seen, he can go behind the ball as well if they need him. So that, that's a big blow. I just think they're going to have their work cut out tonight. Yep, so your tip on this one? I think Melbourne will win an an arm wrestle. It'll be another low-scoring game, but I've got them winning this one by about 13 points. Yeah, right. So Joey's gone with the Demons there by 13 points. So we'll move on to the second game. Obviously, Port versus Giants at the Adelaide Oval. So we'll go through Port's changes. So Charlie Dixon comes back in from that um, injury that he was suffering from. Dylan Williams has been omitted, and the one that I'm sort of a bit surprised about, but if you look at his recent form, it's not – too surprising, but Jeremy Finlayson being omitted. Yeah, um, it's interesting, isn't it? We spoke about Carlton not prepared to pull the trigger on Jack Silvani, but Paul Adelaide have pulled the trigger on Charlie Dixon. It just shows how important they think he is. Jeremy Finlayson is the one that stands out, but when you think about it, Ollie Lord kicked four goals last week on Harris Andrews and was terrific. So you couldn't drop him on that game. They obviously rate and value Charlie Dixon, and they've got Todd Marshall, who they value ahead of Finlayson. So as you said, he's been out of form the last six to eight weeks. He'll probably be the sub for me, I would think. Dylan Williams, I think, did the hamstring, it looked like, in that game. So that's why he's most likely out. But yeah, that's the way they've gone. They needed to make a bit of a tough call. I just, I'm a bit worried about Port. They've gone five and five in their last 10 games, Kate. They've only played four teams in the top eight in that time. I know they trounced the Giants about a month ago, but the Giants have won 10 of their last 12. They are the most informed team in the competition. Port Adelaide are a bit shaky, shaky defensively, and I'm nervous about them tomorrow night. I know it's at home, but I tell you, I don't, I'm not sure how they can keep up with this GWS Giants side. Yeah, that's it. I think their pace of ball movement and their ability to play, they play tall. They've got lots of tools that they can use, but when the ball hits the ground, GWS are just impossible to stop. I think more and more people will realise, probably after they win tomorrow, they are so well balanced. They have everything. They've got the best defender in the comp in Sam Taylor, and he's surrounded by some guys that are just unbelievable competitors in guys like Iden and Buckley that don't lose. Two elite halfbacks that run with Lockie Ash and Lockie Whitfield. Midfield is balanced with Tom Green, the big inside ball, and Canelio and Cali on the outside. A forward line that's well balanced. They've got the best forward in the comp, or one of them in Toby Green. Hogan and Riccardi can bob up, and the value of Brent Daniels and Toby Bedford are crucial as small forwards to the way the Giants play. They just... They tick so many boxes. They can beat you in different ways. Um, They're at a great demographic, and I think they're full of confidence. I don't think they fear going over to Adelaide. We know they've won at 11 different venues. 
Uh, I think they'll be smarting from that loss against them about a month ago, and I can see them turning the tables. Yeah, and a player for me that you mentioned, Brent Daniels, he yes. is elite in the forward line. I reckon if if the Giants didn't have Toby Green, he would be the forward we all talk about. Yep. And because of Toby Green, he gets to sneak under the radar a little bit. He takes a, a lesser defender, and then he's just able to impact in other ways than just hitting the scoreboard. His pressure game is elite, yep. but also he just knows where to go to help the forwards or to help those around him, and I think he'll have a really big game. Whether it's a, a huge notified game that everyone talks about, probably not because they're not the, the type of games we do talk about in the footy media, but I think just what he offers to that team in the forward line is something that's really hard to replace. Spot on, Kate. I couldn't agree more. And the other one I'm looking at, Toby Green. We know he loves this situation. I can't see an obvious matchup. This is Port Adelaide's issue defensively. They struggle. They're the worst team defending one-on-one in the competition. And you look at their halfbacks and you talk about Daniels and Bedford and Toby Green, their halfbacks, Houston, you know, great player, a wonderful year, but offensive player, Kane Farrell. They've got Lockie Jones, Ryan Burton. Who's going to be able to stop them? And that's why I just think that if the Giants get enough supply through the midfield and they don't get dominated, because that's Port's big chance, is Rosie Butters, Horn Francis, dominating the game, playing it in their forward half. If Giants break even, I think their forwards will, will be too dangerous. I can't see an obvious matchup for Toby Green. I think it's Ryan Burton who, if I'm the Giants, I'm licking my lips and think, here we go. I'm a chance to kick three, four or five goals. And Stephen Cornelio back in as well. Yeah. That's a huge in for their midfield. A yeah. guy that couldn't get a game last year and now he's potentially the the key to winning and going into a prelim for the Giants. Yeah, it's been a great story. Great turnaround of perseverance. And well done to Adam Kingsley too, what he's done with this group. It's... um. It's been fascinating to watch. And also another reminder too, they're fit and healthy. The Giants for so many years has always been injured. They've never had their best team on the park. Now they've had it pretty much for the back half of of this year and we're seeing what they're capable of. Do you think this gives Adam Kingsley the right to be coach of the year, getting them to this point? I do. I think 100%. I think he's the coach of the year. From where they've come from, what the expectations were and where they are now, I know there's some teams that might finish higher at the end of the season, but for what he's been able to do with this group, Absolutely. Yeah, it's very rare to see a coach come in in their first year and do what he's done. It takes a while usually to understand the method, to get the right players in the right positions that you've got, and it's clear that he's been studying that team for a long time to work out where they all need to go. Very similar to Collingwood, though, isn't it, with Craig McRae. So they were a good team, and they and you sort of forgot about how good of a core group they had. They got a little bit stale, and Nathan Buckley played a bit boring, and, and then as soon as Craig McRae came in with a new style, they took off again. A very similar Giants. Played in the grand final in 2019 and finals 2020. Got a bit stale under Leon Cameron, but with a new coach and getting the best out of the talent they've got, they're on a similar trajectory. Yeah, excited about that game. And Kieran Briggs, their ruckman, he's yeah. got himself a two-year contract extension, taking him to the end of 2026. And He's been phenomenal this year, and he'll probably have a big hand to play in this um, semi-final. Absolutely, he will. What a find he has been. So another one, a top three or four ruckman in the competition. So, yeah, they are stacked. For that reason, I think the Giants are the upset. I think Port Adelaide get knocked out in straight sets, and I think they win this one um, by 21 points. Fantastic. So we'll be back soon with some other news from the round um, and looking ahead to... I guess a little bit of list movement and some news that we've got from the AFL so far this week. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review, particularly if it's a good one. So, Joey, we're going to get into some of the other news that's happening in the AFL and then we'll touch a little bit on the AFLW round for the weekend. But... 
few Saints going under the knife in their off-season. So Jack Steele and Ankle, Max King obviously with that shoulder that he's been just nursing through, um, Brad Crouch with a thumb, and there are others that are, are going under the knife so far. So I guess that just shows the resilience of football players now. They're obviously carrying injuries the entire year and need surgery to fix them up. Yeah, eight Saints in all that will have surgery. And you're right, and sometimes you look back and it does explain a little bit of the form. Like Jack Steele has been playing with, a, with an ankle injury and, you know, there are times you think he's labouring a little bit on the field and, you know, but then you realise makes sense. You know, Max King, I think I saw a stat today, he was still fifth in the comp for average goals per game but had a pretty – like had no preseason doing the shoulder at the start of the year, came back, got re-injured. Like a pretty bit of resilience for a, a kid that's still a bit maligned, I think, with the way that he plays and still only 23 years of age. But Max King will get that done and, and Brad Crouch been playing with a thumb as well as some others. So it just shows the, the wears and tears of a footy season, but um, they'll get them in nice and early and, and hopefully have a big full preseason. Yeah, that's it. That's one for Max King. If he gets his shoulder done nice and soon, hopefully has a full or close to a full preseason. Bulk up a bit. And gets back to, I mean, yeah, 28 goals in 10 games, yeah. I'm pretty sure is what he kicked. So yeah. that's that's pretty formidable as a key target down there as well. Um Shane McAdam, he's officially requested a trade. I don't think anyone was surprised about that, but he's chosen the Demons. That's where he wants to go. Um, the Crows had offered him a contract that he wasn't happy with. Do you think the Demons will have scope to fit him in? Yeah, they'll make it work. Um, it's going to be interesting, and we'll touch on a few of the other trades, but it feels, again, like last year. The teams that are playing finals are the ones that get stronger with players going to their club. So it's a, a real challenge for the teams that miss out uh, on the top eight and particularly sort of the bottom half of that ladder to try and improve when all these finals teams are, are going to get players. And Shane McAdam is a talent. I mean, he's creeping up in age now. I think he's about 28 and fell out of favour of being in Adelaide's best forward line. But the mix they had was pretty good this year. So I think um, I think it's a good get by Melbourne. Yeah, I think that's always something that they're looking to strengthen up. Obviously, their mm. forward line, we've seen the last couple of weeks, how they're just lacking, I guess, a pivotal point or someone that can go alongside Bailey Fritch and yeah. really offer some goal kicking now. So um, one that is sort of looking to move to one of those bottom eight teams is Dylan Stevens from the Swans. He's officially requested a trade to North Melbourne, which for me, I think it's just a good sign. I think like you just touched on, there's so many that want to go to the top teams, the teams that are still in favour. But I think we need, obviously, Dylan unable to get games this year really for the Swans um, and has nominated North Melbourne because he'd get a whole lot more opportunity there. And you, you touched on it there. It's just about opportunity for a former top 10 pick who probably hasn't cemented himself at AFL level yet but gets the chance with a four-year deal at North Melbourne to complement the inside mids they've already got. So they've earmarked him specifically for a wing. I like the way the list build's going at North Melbourne. So you'll have Dylan Stevens and Bailey Scott almost just guaranteed. They're your wingers. Um, a bit like what Melbourne and, and Collingwood have with the same wingmen every week, and then that it can allow their inside mids to, to get to work. So hopefully he can fulfil his potential at North Melbourne. And another player that's gone for a little bit more opportunity is the Bulldogs' ruckman, Jordan Sweet. So he's requested a trade to Port Adelaide, who are now officially out of the race for Grundy. So that's exactly probably why he's heading there. Obviously, Tim English, the number one ruckman, who's going to be pretty hard to take the spot off. So he's headed there for some more opportunity. Yeah, so he'll become the number one ruck at Port Adelaide. They're going to get Radigalia and Zerk Thatcher as well. So talk about teams that are competing that are going to get stronger. Port Adelaide are going down that path. And I think it's great when you've got a young list that are in the window of that sort of being able to win a flag or be top four, why not keep topping up and trying to to win it? So Port will be aggressive. And you mentioned Brody Grundy looking like going to the Sydney Swans. So again, another team that have played finals that were probably the only team in the top eight last year, Kate, that didn't improve their list. So you think about, you know, Collingwood and Brisbane and Port Adelaide um, and Melbourne all improved their list 
over the, the off-season. Sydney didn't, but they're going to do that this year. They're going to get the Ruckman, and I think they're still aggressive for a key defender. Yeah, and they've had some money free up, obviously, with some of their retirees in name. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy Franklin, who was taking up a little bit of money there. So, yeah, plenty of, of cash to spend for people that want to come to their club. So, Dimmer, he just keeps sprinkling the Richmond dust around the Gold Coast. So, Alex Rance has confirmed he's going to head to the Gold Coast, um, and so will Sean Grigg. Obviously a premiership teammate of Alex Rance. He's left Geelong and is going up there to um, form a partnership with Dimmer. So how do you see this one? Yeah, that's always the way with coaches. They bring people they trust and and have worked with. So Sean Grigg, a premiership player, and Alex Rance, two good gets for the Gold Coast. I think they'll enjoy that. And, of course, I saw during the week Dustin Martin – uh, they've, Damien Harwick has said he's not coming to the Gold Coast. So if anybody, this I'm putting this out there, if anybody <laughs> during trade period talks about Dustin Martin going to another club, seriously, they shouldn't be on air. He's never been going anywhere. It's just because it's it creates clicks and it's exciting. And there's been some journos that have been banging on about it for five years that Dustin Martin is going to leave. And I think one of them put it in the paper, oh, Dustin's staying. It's like, well, he's <laughs> never, ever been going anywhere. I mean, for the it's, update. <laughs> uh, it's been doing my head in. I mean, it's pretty easy to ring a club and say, would you be interested in Dustin Martin if he was available? And the club say yes. And they come back and go, got he's, a scoop for going. you. <laughs> a club's interested in Dustin Martin. Like, no shit. <laughs> so he will be at Richmond and uh, hopefully we don't hear Dustin Martin's name get brought up in trade talks again. I did enjoy Dimmer um, saying that he was a little bit naive to think that he could go to a pub <laughs> with <laughs> Dustin Martin and no one would recognise him. I think he hasn't been on the Gold Coast for too long. He thinks that it's that under the radar that people up there are living don't under a rock. Martin is. <laughs> you don't need to support AFL to know who Dustin Martin is. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, didn't get away with that one, having a beer with him. Um, what about AFLW? You want to get in that two rounds in already? You you put on the radar. Melbourne were going to be scary. They are looking scary. How have you seen the first two weeks? Yeah, it's been good. I think um, nice and competitive. So some of the games, I mean, some of them last week blew out a little bit, um, but. Yeah, it has been nice and competitive and a, a team that's really sort of impressed me in their first two weeks has been Geelong yeah. and they're taking on North Melbourne this evening um, at GMHBA. So two undefeated teams. North, obviously the other one we touched on saying that they'd be really strong this year and they haven't let us down. I think that'll be a battle of two really good contested teams. North enjoy a little bit more uncontested footy as to Geelong. So it'll just be whose, I guess, game stands up or if Geelong can kind of disrupt North a little bit. You've got two huge midfielders. So Georgie Prasparkas, Amy McDonald and Nina Morrison are going up against Jazz Garner, Ash Riddell and Mia King. So easily probably two of the best midfields in the competition at the moment. Are North Melbourne the biggest threat? I think Melbourne? so, yeah. yeah and absolutely. Georgie, we had Maddie Prasparkas on the show and we threw out about Georgie almost yep. ascending to number one player in the comp. Is she heading in that direction? She is. So she had a big game against us in the first, first round. Yeah, and huge. then second round, she was starting to get off the chain in the first quarter, had nine, and then they sent um, a tagger to her okay. and really did tag her out of the right. game. So I think that'll be a little bit of a blueprint for other teams coming up against Geelong. If you're able to take her out, it requires Amy McDonald, Nina Morrison to stand up a little bit more. And she's just someone that when she gets the ball, she clears it, she hits a target. It's just you can't stop her if you don't tag her. Good to watch. And we saw scores are up there. They're well and truly above what they've been in previous years for the first two rounds. So that is what fans wanted to see. What was going to be the big storyline out of AFLW this weekend? Um, I think North just looking formidable, getting another win, going right to the top of the table. And I think North and Melbourne play, I think, in round eight. So I think if those two teams keep going the way they're going, that is going to be an absolute blockbuster there. So just quickly, last one for you, Joey. Carlton and Melbourne, who do you think the Lions would prefer to play out of those two? Probably Carlton. Yep. Only because I think Melbourne are more dangerous. And I think Collingwood would definitely rather play Port Adelaide. Yep. I think I, I think Collingwood would definitely beat Port at the MCG. If the Giants win again, 
they could just give Collingwood a bit of a shake. So my big storyline out of this weekend, Kate, is the power bomb out in straight sets. I've got a real feel about this Giants team. Maybe my, my take should be more positive on the Giants, but the big story, as we know, will be about Port Adelaide if they get rolled and what that means. The whole talk about Ken Hinckley. I think it's still the right decision to have Kenny as coach. They can top up and go again. But after winning 13 straight middle of the year, I think they bomb out in straight sets. Yep, so the best mind in footy has tipped GWS to get over Port and Melbourne to get over Carlton for the weekend. So that's it for us on Footy Talk. If you do have a question, please get to us on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or TikTok at footytalkpod. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget tomorrow we have yourself, Joey, up with Jay. Listener.